and Apex Lab Podcast. Hey there, welcome to the Level Up Engineering Podcast, where we speak to the most experienced technology leaders from around the world. So stay with us to learn actionable management insights to take your engineering team to the next level. This show is powered by Apex Lab, a team of experts in end-to-end digital product development. ApexLab.io Hi everyone, this is Thomas. Welcome to the very first episode of the Level Up Engineering Podcast. Our first guest is Katie Womersley. She is the VP of Engineering at Buffer. Um, Buffer is a fully remote tech company and in this episode we will talk about how to manage a fully remote developer team. Hope you will enjoy. So tell me a bit more about yourself. So I am um, VP of Engineering at Buffer and we're a fully distributed team. So we have people all over the world from you know, Columbus, Ohio through to Colombo, Sri Lanka. I joined Buffer as a software engineer and I became our first ever engineering manager. Mm-hmm. And since then the team has grown and evolved and I moved from being an engineering manager to managing managers as a director and then eventually managing a, a larger team of managers as VP Engineering. Wow. So my role now is much further away. I don't, I don't get to code anymore it's probably best for everybody um that i'm no longer coding <laughs> with the, the time that i have available um for for that kind of head start work so my role has evolved a lot since i joined the team and right now my main focus is to support and empower the team by supporting a really strong engineering management structure and making sure that our technical leaders have the tools the training the support and also like the recognition that they need to do a great job mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. yeah. It's interesting because you kind of were in the stealth mode and you just popped up. I think the first time I have seen you was a year and a half ago. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 So I just yeah. started tracking you on Twitter. <laughs> That's what I do, stalking on people. <laughs> you do stalking on people. Yeah. yeah, I think I was quite quite lucky. In, um, about a year and a half ago, I, I got some more high-profile conference talks, perhaps, and mm-hmm. some more people followed me on Twitter. So definitely about a year and a half ago, I would say as a personal brand, if you yeah. have that term, maybe it started kind of taking off. I don't really know why. Ha- I think it's the talks, conference talks. Yeah, because you are great, to be honest. <laughs> well, that's very kind of you, Thomas. Thank you. <laughs> what are the biggest challenges uh, in managing a remote developer team? Right. Well, I would say it's always that balance between having people work synchronously all online at the same time, chatting back and forth, which is really great for being connected, bonding as a team, real-time collaboration, uh, being very creative with ideas. And then on the other side, being asynchronous, letting people respond when it suits them, not have to be in a lot of meetings. There's not this like frantic chat going all the time. They can be heads down which is really great for writing excellent code, being very productive, having a more calm work environment, being able to have manageable hours. And it's these trade-offs, right? Because when your team is more synchronous, they'll often report that they feel more energy, more creative, more connected to everyone else, um, more sense of they know what's going on in the rest of the company. But they'll also tell you things move quickly and they get left out of decisions and they're finding it difficult to get all of their heads down, work done, and also all these meetings that might happen. Mm-hmm. And when we're very asynchronous, things are happening over um, written documents. They're a lot slower. They're much more thoughtful. People respond when it suits them. I often hear I'm getting a lot of really great work done. I'm feeling very productive. I'm feeling very um, 
very balanced and at the same time though i'm feeling quite lonely quite disconnected things mm-hmm. feel like they're moving very slowly i don't really know what's going on with anyone else it's just me in my little room all by myself and that is starting to get quite depressing so i would say as a manager this is always where we swing back and forth between and, and we're always trying to adjust i think at buffer we've started to find a balance where we're not swinging so far anymore we used to go very much more synchronous and then totally asynchronous mm-hmm. We're now trying to figure out how to mix the two in a, in a healthier way and what should be synchronous and what can be asynchronous. But that's probably the most difficult thing, those communication patterns. Mm-hmm. When you are hiring someone, mm-hmm. uh, is there any requirement to be within five time zones or three time zones, right. something like that? So, no, there's no hard requirements. We try to hire the best person for the role and then make the time zone work. Mm-hmm. But we do consider if it's a very collaborative role so maybe like a product manager if all of their engineers um, were in Europe and the United States and that's where the engineers are the designers everything else and they're in Australia we might consider how is that going to work and have a conversation with that person around look you might end up having some meetings at weird times or mm-hmm. how do you feel if you end up having to um, you know do as a stand-up at, at a strange time We try to avoid this and, and, and make it so that all the time zones can work. And we have people in every time zone. But it is something that we consider. And we would usually have a conversation with the person say, look, the reality is you are distributed on some very difficult time zones. People mm-hmm. need to be flexible here. Buff is going to give a lot of flexibility. But in exchange, we're going to probably ask you to make some accommodations. If everybody insists, no, I'm only going to work from nine until five and I'm not available at any other time. Mm-hmm. And you have teammates in Europe the United States and Australia, you can't ever have a meeting, right? Ever. Uh-huh, so we, yeah. we all talk to people and say, look, you know, that's not going to work. Um, and we actually do have some teams where they are very distributed um, and it works really well. Our infrastructure team has team member in Beijing, China, um, Colombo, Sri Lanka, in um, Cambridge in the UK, wow. in New York on the East Coast, and in San Francisco on the West Coast. Wow. So they have almost perfectly every seven hours as another teammate. And super great infrastructure team like five people and they keep a engineering organization of 35 running really smoothly <laughs> and they work really well so like yeah. it can really work you know oh uh, yeah okay yeah being a woman in tech is sometimes hard i, I can't imagine it but uh, <laughs> have you ever faced any challenges because you are a woman That's a great one. Um, yes, I'm sure I've faced many challenges. Some of them I probably don't notice because I also don't know what it's like to be a man in tech. Like maybe if I were to wake up a man's mind, <laughs> that would be very alarming on a deep level for many reasons because I identify as a woman, right? But I don't know what it's like to not be a woman. So I have no idea what is easier, what is harder. I think the harder thing is when you wonder, is this about my gender? Like would mm-hmm. they treat me like this if I was a man? Uh-huh. That can be difficult. Personally, I try to not think too much about my own experience. I try to create a supportive environment for women on my team. I try to support other women where I can. And I try to encourage um, the men in our team and in general, male colleagues and friends I have, which is many, to be strong allies for women, for people of color, for any marginalized group in tech to learn what it is to be a good ally. And that's been really great. I would say that I've had a lot of really positive experiences with um, my co-workers who are often cisgender or white men being really amazing allies and jumping in and saying, oh, 
SQLite has a really problematic code of conduct, we're going to email the owners of this project and tell them it's not okay and that Docker is going to stop using SQLite unless they change their code oh. of conduct. And I didn't have to say, look, this is not great for the woman. There were men on the team being like, this is just not okay. So Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, and, and definitely there, there are some hard things for sure, but there's there's also a lot that is that is great that I can try focus on and a lot of positive work we can do. Yeah, this is one thing I, I also like about Buffer because it promotes an open mindset, diversity, which is really important. And that's why I wanted to ask this question because, you know, it's a hot, always a hot topic in tech and I think we yeah, need, to, totally. need to talk about that. Thank you. Another topic. What are the crucial elements that make a remote developer team work? You already mentioned a few, but if you want to, if you could highlight mm -hmm. a few things that you think are key elements, that would be great. Well, I think it's important to trust your teammates that they are doing their best work possible, that everybody has good intent with the work everyone's trying to be productive. I think that trust is really important for a dev team to work well together. And it goes both ways. It's like if you're trusting your team, it's also being able to ask for help or to say when you're stuck or when you're blocked and trust that they're not going to judge you or think you're unproductive or something. Mm -hmm. Really clear communication skills is very, very important um, because otherwise it's very difficult for a team to stay in sync on something and to share context. A problem we're always fighting at Buffer is knowledge silos when only one person knows about an area of the code base and then they get sick or they leave or something happens and then it's a real problem for the team. So being able to communicate well, so document your PRs, write good commit messages, leave status on Jira cards, whatever it is, it means that we are less likely to develop these knowledge silos. Mm -hmm. And then encourage our dev developer team to try really hard with their work-life balance to be careful of not overworking. So um, often people ask me, how do you know um, the engineers are, are like working hard, right? And the problem I really have is how do I know that they are ever stopping working? Mm -hmm. Because people tend to overcompensate when they're remote. They know that it's a big, it's a big freedom. They really want this job. They really um, appreciate the, the privilege almost. So they will try really hard to prove to you mm -hmm. um, and to prove to their team that they were not slacking off in any way. So people tend to work really long hours. And as we know, when people are coding long hours, they're not as healthy, they are not as energized, they will start being less productive, mm. they will start writing, writing more bugs, you know, really hard to solve problems. So to keep your dev team productive and focused and fresh, it's quite important to talk to them about how much they're working and if they're taking healthy breaks and still have good work-life balance and mm -hmm. closing off the laptop at the end of the day and, and all of that. Okay. When you hire a new developer who mm -hmm. has no experience with working in a remote environment, how do you onboard them? Right, so we put a lot of effort into onboarding um, for anybody, even if they've not worked remotely. If they've never worked remotely, we will make sure to like note that in the onboarding document to give extra support. So we'll talk to them about things like, where are you going to work from? How will you set up your workspace? How are you going to set up your schedule? How are you going to stay healthily productive, both have enough work time and also not too much work time? Mm -hmm. So we'll be very clear about that. Every developer will have a 30, 60, 90 day onboarding plan, which has really clear goals for at 30 days, we expect you to do this and at 60 days, this and at 90 days, this. And then they will also have a role buddy who's another developer that will help them out with 
getting their tasks um, done, pairing with them a lot, showing them how everything works. And this person we know is going to be spending a lot of time helping the new person. So they're going to be less productive, right? We know this. And then they'll also get a culture buddy. And the whole job of the culture buddy is to talk once a week with this person and to listen to their challenges, share how it's going, give them advice on how to better work remotely and um, how to communicate well with their team, how to stay healthy, how to stay productive. So we put a lot of emphasis there through the role buddy and the culture buddy. And of course, every developer has a manager who also support them with a one-to-one every week for an hour. Oh, okay. We, um, we don't require that people have worked remotely before to join Buffer. But we do look for evidence that people are in some way have initiative, are self-directed, and would be okay in a totally remote environment, which can be a bit isolating, a bit lonely, can be hard to know how you're doing. Like there's definitely challenges about a remote environment. So in the final interview, if somebody has never worked remotely before, we will talk to them very openly and very honestly about like these are the, the lovely things about remote and these are also the hard things. Maybe you're not thought of that. How do you think you're gonna handle it? what is your plan for making sure these challenges mm-hmm. don't overwhelm you? And that's often really helpful because we ask the person then to think of what are their challenges going to be and, and how can we support them? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's great how you keep the whole team connected, having a cultural body, having a mentor. And uh, I guess you have uh, calls, like the whole comp- company-wide calls when you right. talk yeah. about the most important matters. Yeah, it's really important to keep... Um, team together that's great how do you celebrate progress and small wins so a new tool that we have which we really enjoy using is um the taco bot in slack it's called hey taco (laughs) and people can give their teammates a little taco for wins or progress or anything you can be hey tamas taco setting up a great interview and um, you can redeem your tacos for actual rewards. You know, and wow. if you send, send and receive lots of tacos, then you can actually get like real stuff, um, which is quite cool. So we use the tacos a lot. Um, we have a very crazy culture, right? So we really like to celebrate things a lot. Mm-hmm. So we use a lot of gifts, a lot of emojis to try to be very um, encouraging of each other. And then we also have a special, we use a tool called Threads which is like a cross between email and an announcement board. Um, and we have a special category that is just for praise and recognition. And often teammates will be posting there about other people when it's like a, a bigger achievement. That's not just here's a taco. It's something really special. Mm-hmm. And we also have a Slack channel that is only about gratitude. And we will often put in that if you're really grateful for somebody or something, we will post in there um, that gratitude. So there's a lot of different ways that you can celebrate achievements, both the really little ones and also more big, meaningful milestones. You know, it's, it's beautiful. These are just really small things, like sending a taco or something. It's, it's like nothing. But for the person who receives it, it's, it's a big thing and a huge boost. I think we need exactly. to introduce something similar at my company. <laughs> It's a lot of fun. People really get into the tacos and it's it's really fun whenever I get a taco I'm very excited. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we you already mentioned that how you handle a uh, big time zone difference. Apart from being flexible, is there anything else mm-hmm. you try to do to to make the decisions uh, faster and the whole de- developer team more productive? Yes, yes. We try really hard to leave a lot of context on 
or wherever we're working asynchronously. So for most teams, this is on Jira. And we try to make sure that we have really clear specs with a design brief. And um, we've got like a mock-up or a little GIF that's very, very clear. And then when developers are working on it, um, they will be very clear with their status, any questions, any assumptions they're making, put it on there so that um, they can get unblocked as fast as possible mm -hmm. by a product manager, a designer, another teammate. So a lot of that we try to move into very thorough, detailed, asynchronous communication so that people know what's going on with the rest of the team and are getting their questions answered as soon as they can. And we also encourage our team to be very proactive and make lots of decisions themselves. You know, if you get stuck on something, don't wait around for somebody to help you. Just go do something else. Figure out what else is valuable or just make a decision and inform your team, hey, I wasn't sure about A or B. B made more sense to me, so I went ahead and I did it. This is what it looks like. If it's a problem, let me know and I'll fix it. Nine times out of 10, the developer makes a perfectly great decision and mm -hmm. everyone's like, yeah, sounds good. One time out of 10, it's like, oh no, actually we need to do A. But that saves a lot more time compared to waiting around or getting stuck or like not knowing what to do. So we very much encourage our engineers to adopt this mindset of if you can reverse the decision, just make the decision. Like if you can mm -hmm. reverse it, do it so that they don't feel they need lots of permission or okay. everybody to say, yeah, go ahead. It's like, no, just do it. Mm -hmm. Of course, if you can never reverse the decision, then maybe just wait until somebody else like, you know. Wakes up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but most decisions, most decisions you can reverse, right? Most decisions are not that critical. Okay. Yeah. What are the do's and don'ts uh, when managing a remote developer team? Do. Make sure you invest in one-to-ones um, with your team, that you're really listening to your team and checking in how they're doing because you won't be able to see from walking around what's happening and, and what the dynamic is. You actually have to have people tell you. So invest in your one-to-ones. I would say that would be my most important do. You know, Really listen to your people. The most important don't, I would say, is don't be that manager who constantly says, hey, how's it going? What's happening with this feature? Like, hey, did, what happened with the status? Figure out a system where you are getting status updates asynchronously, whether that there's a ton of tools. You can do GitHub, you can use GitHub projects, you can use Trello, you can use Jira, you can use Asana or Basecamp or whatever. There's, this is a solved problem. Don't be that person that's like, hey, Tomas, have you deployed the thing yet? You know, it's like, no, just go look at GitHub. Is it merged into master or not? You know, like use your tools. Um, so that would probably be the biggest don't. I know managers that come from an in-office environment where it's quite normal to walk past someone and be like, oh, hey, did you get that task done? And it's not a big deal. Might do the same thing remotely, but it's very stressful to have your manager always asking you, hey, what's going on? Um, it can lead people to feel like a lack of trust. Mm -hmm. And once trust breaks down in a remote environment, it's really hard to get it back. So as a manager, you really don't want to have people feel like you don't trust them. I could definitely go on a lot more with do's and don'ts, but those would be my, okay. my, my two key do's and don'ts. Is there any practical advice you would recommend to someone managing a remote developer team? Anything we haven't covered yet? Yeah, I would say that uh, remote developer teams, they often have a lot of mental health issues that people don't talk about, mm. which will make your teammates much more unproductive, much less healthy and much more likely to quit and go work somewhere in an office where they feel better. Mm -hmm. So anxiety and depression are um, correlated with feeling lonely or being isolated. And of course, remote work, sometimes people are working from home all the time. 
and not all, but many developers find themselves a little bit more introverted, a little bit more on the quiet side. They're not going out every day with tons of friends. Mm -hmm. So one thing we see is that the rate of anxiety and depression um, is higher with remote workers than not. So mm -hmm. the most practical advice there is be very open in talking about mental health with people because it really affects their work and their ability to be a good teammate and to do their best work. Mm -hmm. And remember that you are not a therapist as the manager. It's not your problem to solve this issue. It's your problem to be aware of the issue and to make sure that your teammate gets help. You know, uh, yeah. Make sure that they go see a doctor, go to a co-working space, get out and do some exercise or go get an actual therapist. The manager is not a therapist, but... You know, you need to be aware of people being healthy um, and being able to do their job before it ends up a huge problem. I'm glad you mentioned this because uh, most of the yeah. people looks at the shiny and the positive things a remote job provides. And, you know, it's not visible what's behind the scenes. And it's, it's, no. it's important to talk about this because I think this is the biggest downside of remote work is people just get isolated easily. Totally. It's very easy to get isolated. And it's also very easy to forget that like there's other humans on your team because you just see code getting pushed and little avatars and like it feels very abstract and you feel like the only person in the world, right? So, mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So last question. What's the next step for, for your developer team? The next step for our developer team? Well, one thing that we're doing is um, getting everybody into a much better on-call schedule. And our big goal is that people are on call for only one week in a mm -hmm. quarter and that they're only ever interrupted by an incident one day in a month. So that's mm -hmm. a big goal um, to really make it a very calm workplace to be a developer. Mm -hmm. And um, another thing that we're continuing to doing is open source by default, building in the open, contributing a lot to open source. So right now, almost 90% of all of our new code is totally open source and public. So if wow. you go to uh, uh, github.com slash buffer app, you will see a lot of code that is open source and continuing to push that forward, both building in the open just as a way of sharing, here is how we are doing things. And also when we see useful things that other people could benefit from, like a tool that we could extract into a library or some boilerplate code that could be useful to others, giving back and contributing to that. Of course, we use a lot of open source as does everyone. So we don't want to be just a, a taker in this community mm -hmm. and try to also uh, be a contributor to open source code as well. Okay, awesome. Is there anything else you want to share and you think it's important? Not off the top of my head, Thomas. I think we covered all of the, the main <laughs> points. Katie, thank you so much for oh. uh, being here. I'm so glad I had the chance to talk with you. Uh, it's really an honor. Me too. <laughs> Thank, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much, Thomas. Thank have, a, have a great day. Bye. Bye. -bye. Thanks for staying with us. This was the Level Up Engineering Podcast by Apex Lab. Check them out at apexlab.io. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel, rate our content, and share your thoughts on this episode. See you next time.